This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 89 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me, as always, it is Gavin J. Baxter and Graeme Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thanks. Three points. I've not said that for a long time. Nope, it's been a while. Yep, feeling a little bit out of match practice for the conversation we're about to have, but other than that, very well, thank you. In a week that saw Queen's Park dumped out the Scottish Cup after fielding an ineligible player against ICT in the last round. And this was brilliant because you could watch it happen in real time because somebody on Twitter had spotted they had an ineligible player playing during the game. Brilliant stuff. Have we checked Darvel's team sheet? <laughs> there was some rumours during the rounds last week that Darvel's keeper was ineligible. And I was like, does that mean we have to bring Jim back? <laughs> oh, yeah. One game. It's, it's okay. No, thanks. Yeah. Um, so Robbie Nielsen decided to go quote toe to toe with Sevco and end up on the wrong end of a bit of a pumping and it saw the St Mirren admin and Pine Bovril get awfully giddy about a win over 10 men it is another busy week on the APZFP as we take a look back at our 3-1 win over Motherwell in the Premiership on Saturday afternoon we'll check in with our loanies and loan watch we'll see how the young team the Quines have fared this week and then it's a week off so we don't have any previews to do praise the lord Will we move on? Yes. Let's do this. Let's get into this smashing at the Dodger. But first, Aberdeen 3, Motherwell 1, Saturday the 4th of February 2023. Pataudry Stadium in the SPFL Premiership. Two changes for Barry Robson from the midweek defeat to St Mirren. Jay Gorter in for his debut in the sticks in place of Joe Lewis. And Liam Scales returning from his initial suspension to replace the suspended Ross McCrory. That's right. Scales and Pollock in the back line. Sounds a bit fishy to me. Jaden Richardson returning to the bench alongside Jack McKenzie, Conor Barron and Patrick Mislovich missing out on the squad altogether. The Dons sticking with the back three as per St. Minnan, but let's be honest, a turgid opening 40 minutes. Both teams clearly struggling for form and resorting to, let's call it percentage football, as the ball spent most of the time being lumped from one end of the pitch to the other. Matty Pollock, though, should have done better with a free header on 31 minutes before Ramadani forced a save from Kelly on 35 minutes. Johnny Hayes involved in a nasty-looking clash of heads with Johnston on 36 minutes. And after some lengthy treatment, Hayes finally returned to the field of play and scenes reminiscent of Mick Foley at the King of the Ring 1998, picked himself up, created the opening goal of the game, 
decent work down the right flank and a brilliantly clipped ball into the centre of the box found Duke rising highest to nod home unchallenged at the back post. I must have forgotten that portion of the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, well, you know, there you go. Vintage Hayes and Duke with his 10th goal of the season so far. The Dons now the only side in the league to have two players on 10 plus goals this season. Bizarre. The lot's on minus 10 goals. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hayes having to be withdrawn after that goal. Hayden Colson taking his place. Um, we'll maybe come up to this later on, but I guess surely there has to be some sort of serious consideration now around concussions, etc. after that. Because although I think we'd all appreciate the effort that Hayes went to to come back in, set up the goal, he clearly wasn't right, was he? I think it's really uh, the risk of being soft, whatever, if you get cracked in the noggin and the way he collapsed. You know, you, you see someone collapse and they sort of put their hands out to protect themselves and you know they're compass mentis. He just collapsed when he got taken out. You knew he wasn't with it. I don't think you should be giving anyone the, the choice there because you'd expect most players to be, no, no, I want to play on, which is commendable, but it's the wrong call, in my opinion. Uh, now, fortunately, it worked out for us. Uh, a rare right peg cross as well. Putting all that to the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, jokes aside, I, th- I don't think you should be taking chances for stuff like that, personally. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Uh, should be taken out of the player's consideration. And, you know, this is uh, another... A good advert for the idea of a, a concussion substitute being in place, even if it's on a temporary basis, so that the yeah. player can be correctly examined by the physios and even possibly even an independent doctor. Yeah, as it turns out, though, the best cross of the game that he has put in was with his right foot while heavily concussed. So I don't know if that says a lot about John Hayes' performance yesterday because it might shorten point, his career if that's how we're going to have to get him out to the pitch, slightly yeah. groggy and using his wrong foot. Up until that point, it had been kind of like new haze like lots of pace and lots of endeavor but his final ball especially set pieces had been fucking horrific up to this point and then it's like lo and behold a cross with the right foot his supposed weaker foot is what uh, pays off but anyway there we go half time one of the dons into the second half and this is where Aberdeen really started to get a grip of the game Mirovsky with a smart effort that Kelly had to turn around the post before the dons finally doubled their lead just after the hour mark, Ramadani brilliantly disposing Slattery in the centre of the park before driving forward, placing a fine through ball into Miofsky, who drew Kelly before deftly lofting over the on-rushing goalkeeper. Let's be honest, Miofsky loves fucking chipping Liam Kelly, doesn't he? So you know, Liam Kelly must absolutely hate the sight of Boya Miofsky. <laughs> absolutely. Before you know it, it was 3-0. Leighton Clarkson with an outrageously filthy through ball, dissecting the Motherwell defence. That pass taking five players out of the game. Miofsky's clever run, allowing him the simplest of finishes to prod home for his 14th in the league, 16th in total for the Dons. He's well on course for a 20-plus goal season. The most straightforward of straightforward games couldn't finish that way. Matty Kennedy foolishly throwing his arm out to block a Danzaki effort. Whilst it looked as though it hit him on the shoulder, once resident idiot Kevin Clancy went to look at the VAR monitor, there was only one outcome. Ken Van Veen, who else, stepping up to send his fellow countryman Gorter the wrong way from the penalty mark. But truth be told... Muddle never really threatened again. Pollock making it four for the home side on 77 minutes before, after finishing, sorry, the second attempt before the goal was ruled off for. And I've just written down here something that VAR spotted, both Pollock and McGinn, each with a pool on each other's shirt. So it's hard to see how it could be given for one. As has been his want, Barry Robson saving his changes for the final 10 minutes. Miofsky withdrawn for Watkins and then Alfie Babbage getting his debut, replacing Duke for the final 30 seconds. But this one, 
seen out comfortably in the end. The Dons stay in seventh, but with the results elsewhere. Now just one point behind Brazil, sorry, St Mirren in sixth. Three behind Livingston in fourth. Motherwell remain second bottom. United are bottom of the table on goal difference. In terms of the data, possession, 56% to 44% in favour of the home side. Seems actually a little bit low, that one. I also figured that how do you count possession when it's just in the air, as it was for the majority of the time in the first half. Expected goals, 1.93 to Dons, 0.85 for the visitors. Shots, 12 to 4. Shots on target, 7 to 1. So, gents, a welcome and much-needed three points. Barry Robson completes the interim manager set. 1-1 drawn, 1 lost, 1 now in his three games in charge as an interim manager. But just your initial thoughts on on that one. Motherwell kit is absolutely howling. Stinking, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that's, I think, the most important take from Saturday. I'm all for the reasons for it existing, but what a horrendous football kit it is. Yes. Very, no, very, very bright. Very bright. <laughs> yeah, no, a good, uh, maybe not the best performance over the 90, but we're kind of nitpicking if that's what we're after all of a sudden. Uh, three points much needed three points and just a general sort of different look and a feel about the team to what we've been putting up with recently. So by no means out of the woods, this is by no means, oh, we've turned a corner and everything's rosy again, but it just takes a little bit of pressure off, hopefully, you know, better atmosphere around the club. And also, I think from a bigger picture point of view, if Robson can keep us ticking along, hopefully nobody panics upstairs and appoints someone that they shouldn't be appointing. The first name in Dave Cormack's phone book. Yes. Yeah, well... They start yeah. looking at that pile of managerial applications, see John Yogi Hughes and think, well, that CV stands up for anyone else that's going to be applying, <laughs> so let's make the call. Poor John on Sports Scene, sports scene yesterday, fucking touting himself for the job. Fuck me, honestly. Nothing more embarrassing. Well, you say that. <laughs> the efforts of the last two incumbents, that was pretty embarrassing, Indeed. one might say. Um for myself, a, a real mixture of emotions, more so than a home win over Motherwell should probably provoke. But, you know, like Graham, relief that we've just got the results and ended that losing streak. Um, feel like we've kind of lifted the cloud a little bit, been hovering over the club for what feels like a decade, but in reality is only about three weeks, actually. Um, relief that we could get the win in the end, because the first 40 minutes, like you say, was pretty, pretty howling stuff. We've said a lot on this podcast before and we've described a lot of games this way, but that first 40 minutes genuinely would get football shut down. Yeah, it was two teams devoid of confidence and devoid of really any quality. And thankfully, like you say, Johnny Hayes, you know, gets that cross in. Duke does what Duke does, gets that little bit of space and we get the goal. And then, yeah, from there, I was kind of inevitable for me. That's a a very poor Motherwell team that we just played against and one that's in in real danger. Um, But then you get the kind of, Frustration because, you know, some of our better players, Miofsky, Duke, Clarkson, started to show us what they've got. And you start to think to yourself, well, where has that been uh, for the last few months? And then there's kind of the satisfaction. I think the the big major business that we've done in January looks like it's going to pay off. I think we've, we've got some good signs already, but, um, you know, Shinny, we know what he's going to bring. But Pollock and McDonald's, they're going to be really solid additions and absolutely loving Jay Gorter. Barry Robson. Did kind of highlight it in his post-match press conference that we were perhaps a little bit surprised by Motherwell's shape. They went with a back five yesterday. We'd been planning all week for, or in the three days in the run-up, I guess, anyway, for them coming with a back four and playing either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3. Three, three. 
so that maybe had something to do with our initial approach in that first 40 minutes because we just seemed willing just to chuck balls down the channels and, and hope for the best, didn't we? Yes, yes, mostly. It's, it's just like you say, I mean, it seemed that as any any time that Scales or Pollock got the ball, you know, the midfielders were running away from them, not in a way to create runs, but rather just to not make themselves an option. And then we're just doing what we've done the last couple of months of just, you know, lump it to Duke or lump it to Miofsky and all right, lads, see what you can do there. And then, of course, there's no real supporting run anywhere near them. And likewise, Motherwell were just very... Motherwell were, Motherwell were brutal to watch. That's, all Motherwell that, wanted to do, yes, it was hit Obika and hope to pick yeah. up the second ball. Yeah, um, and and credit to each of our defenders. I think he tried to peel onto all of them at one time and they all dealt with them very, very well. Um, yeah, I've nothing much to say other than, yeah, it was just horrendous. Yeah, you could kind of see as well how low in confidence we were in that opening 45 minutes in particular because I look at somebody Liam Scales in particular, you know, he kept on trying to pass you know, the ball safely. There was a couple of times of real bad miscommunication between him and Johnny Hayes, who was playing as the nominal left wing back for most of the first half. But I remember thinking back to, I think I said to you, Gavin, at the game, that I think back to the initial stages of the campaign when Scales came in, how often was he finding that really cute through ball tucked in between the opposition's right-handed, right-sided centre-half and the right-back, allowing a winger to kind of cut in between the two of them. He was doing that over and over and over again at the start of the season, really finding that pass really well. There was a number of occasions yesterday that that pass was on and he just didn't take it on at all. You could just see that real lack of confidence through the whole team, couldn't you? I mean, I do wonder if it's a confidence thing and also you think back to early in the season when we're particularly highlighting that part of skills of the game, you know, generally speaking, that's the League Cup group stages or games when we're playing against 10 men and he has a lot of space and time on the ball. I think teams have sussed out now that if you press our centre-backs, generally speaking, they're going to shit themselves and do something stupid. Um, so uh, it's that combination of like whether <laughs> Scales is maybe actually as good with the ball as we actually thought he was or, you know, if this was, because I mean, when he... Not for the first time, by the way, Liam Scales just played a ball straight out of play into an advertising boarding. Yeah, there was one of them that I did feel a bit sorry for him though because... He looked up and he, yeah, I could see him saying, I'm going to make the pass. And then Johnny Hayes just ran away from it. And it was Scales who ended up looking a bit stupid, but I think it was Hayes's fault, to be honest with you. Um, Hayes made a run that wasn't on. If Hayes said to feet and Scales played it and that's what, and then Hayes wow. made a run, then I'd agree. But I think okay, sufficient well, we, evidence to suggest that Liam Scales might have just done that of his own volition. <laughs> I think you can understand why anyone would currently be lacking confidence so hopefully things can settle down under Robson and because obviously the way things have gone the players have taken a lot of stick and to be honest justifiably so because some of the the lack of effort has been really disappointing but go back to the beginning of the season some of these guys I don't think are bad players so hopefully kind of like a little bit of a reset get a bit of confidence in the squad going again and then we maybe start to see some of these types of, um, you know, pick on scales because you were talking about them, but maybe get to see him doing some of the things that we had been enjoying earlier on in the season, even taking your point on board, Gavin, about maybe the quality of the opposition. But I th- I think there's an element of players just... And I can't, to be honest, maybe it's kind of, maybe they've been getting a bit, bit of guidance, which is to just, look, we're in a bit of a mire, so let's just try and steady the ship first before we then maybe start taking a little bit more chances. Because if you're Robson, obviously you you want the players to go out and sort of show what they can do. But on the other hand, you don't really want people taking risks in the situation we're in. And then the people, you know, crowd getting on their back when things aren't going well. People can forgive 
a couple of misplaced passes or a risky pass if you're ahead in the game, they're maybe not going to take to it too well when we're not having a very good season. So I can kind of see why players would be a little risk averse. But let's just hope that doesn't last because I do think there are some decent players in that team. So if you if you start playing risk averse football, you're going to get what you deserve, aren't you? I would add that, similarly, we're really going to talk about skills too much more. I would add that beyond his distribution, I thought he actually played very well. Yeah, I thought he had a good game as well yesterday, but I think we'll come on to this in a minute about just I think how you have to caveat that entire game yesterday with the fact it was against Motherwell. Um, what I thought was interesting though in the post-match as well was when, when Robson talked about the fact that they'd kind of talked about it um, and they recognised kind of maybe 35, 30, uh, 30, 35 minutes into the game that the setup wasn't the way they're expected. They kind of dropped Clarkson into almost like a number six kind of role, allowed Ramadani and Shinny to play slightly ahead of him with the idea being that that would give Clarkson some space to get the ball and hopefully start pinging passes around which is absolutely which did which absolutely did start to happen we start to see some real benefit from that from Leighton Clarkson yesterday as well from from my perspective at least I thought it was good that we could at least see a manager and coaching staff you know figuring out a problem on the pitch and doing something to change it in a positive way I don't feel we've seen enough of that this season or last season or last season yeah Absolutely, fair enough. Other than that, first couple of months where Glass seemed to be really quite yeah switched on to <laughs> yeah change shape or double triple subs whatever was taken and it, and it was playing out for him, and then he just seemed to have lost his nerve and really good when it was it was don't do anything or take someone on just for fresh legs. But you know you you've just got the same problem. So yeah, maybe that's the advantage of you know whether it's Robson or Agnew combination, maybe having the experience in there alongside him helps with that as well but I, I yeah I agree it doesn't really matter how they got to the decision you could see that it wasn't working and were able to come up with a plan that then sort of put the onus on Motherwell to figure out well what are we doing and can we stop them yeah I, I imagine that conversation maybe happened when Hayes goes down with the head knock because there been, was yeah. an extended period out and players are heading to the touchline for instructions and whatnot and like Shinny and Ramadani especially were in dialogue with with both Robson and Agnew. So if it's a collaboration, you know, of the players that are on the pitch and the coaching staff, all good. And then the key thing is that if you make that change, you go and execute it. And I thought Leighton Clarkson in that second half special was excellent. Yeah, I thought he was. Um, we'll come to Clarkson again in a minute. Let's just talk about Angus McDonald and Randy Matty Pollock because those two have both settled in well, Pollock especially, it would appear. And that was a, a decent performance from the two of them. Obviously, they only came in through the door on, what, Monday, Tuesday last week, had to be thrown into the game against St Mirren, then had to play as a back, a centre-half pairing together against St Mirren eventually. I thought they both played well. Yes, they seemed to be striking up a decent partnership, but even more importantly, they seem to both have kind of attributes that I think we've really been missing out of our centre-halves this season. Defending? Yes. If by attributes, I think you maybe mean size, presence, no, a bit of stature... S- Bit of aggression about them as well. Yeah, Pollock especially has got that in his locker. Um, McDonald's not the quickest, but he seems to have a pretty good knack of knowing where to be. Both pretty good in the air. Um, for all that chat about Swindon fans, that Angus Bidold can't play football. Not too shabby from my, from my perspective. Yeah, like I said at the beginning, looked like two really solid additions to our squad. Certainly a good start for them, which is obviously pretty critical given that it's, it's been the defence that has really, generally speaking, killed us this season so it's probably not I can't imagine it's easy for guys to just turn up play with teammates they don't know play with a guy that they don't know and they must be aware of sort of the state we're in and probably a bit of hostile home atmosphere maybe um, 
but it's good to see them settling in and let's just hope they can get a run of games and start to build a decent partnership. It obviously then leaves you an issue come the summer, but let's worry about that in a few months' time. Yeah, definitely. Seems as well that um, McDonald especially, he's been club captain, number of places he's been up for. Seems like a real leader. Um, a lot of constant talking with, whether it's Clarkson, uh, the wingbacks, Scales and Pollock, which is going to be invaluable for them, especially. I mean, Scales is, you know, what, 24, but still relatively inexperienced player. I think you can see this from times of the season where he's needed a helping hand and it's just never been there. So yeah, there's no such thing as too many leaders on the pitch. I think sometimes players, even though they're experienced or not, sometimes people just respond to that sort of organisation of, like, make it clear, he's your guy, I've got this other, whatever, but just almost like kind of at any level, if someone takes charge, it gets away from this almost like dithering of, should I be going for him or what should I do? If someone just says, even if it's simple stuff like it's corner, like I'm picking up this guy, you're picking up that guy, right? Okay, that's fine. I know what I'm doing. Don't have to worry about anyone else because someone's taking charge. You know, you just kind of, it doesn't have to be a captain, although you would expect that to be the captain's role, but you just need someone in there who's willing to take control of situations. And it might just be simple stuff like, you go and get the ball, I've got your back, whatever, simple things like that. Because if you're, if you're maybe especially if you're low in confidence and you're, you're almost, you almost shy away from everything or you try and do everything. Yeah. You know, you see that the old, oh, he's trying to do hard. So someone just sort of settling things down by saying like, you don't need to worry about this and the next thing. I've got that covered. You go and do, go and do your bit of the game, do your job and focus on that entirely. And maybe that's just what some of these guys need is, it's not criticism, it's just a little bit more, organization and almost take some of the thinking out of them so they're, they're not overthinking it they're just focused on like a you know whether it's just marking one individual whatever it may be but I just feel like take the heat out of the situation rather than nobody takes ownership of anything and then there's all the finger pointing goes on when you ship a goal I feel as well with Pollock especially but McDonald's probably the same if you get some decent set pieces in the box I think we've got a real threat now at set pieces as well Pollock's a big he's a big loon um, both you know Height-wise and um, girth-wise. And he had... Is that inside knowledge Gary's famous for? You've been talking to the ladies and Keith there. I think it might have been. Um, you know, he had two free headers in the first half in the from corners. One he should have done a lot better with. And then, obviously, he, he has the goal at the back end of the game ruled out as well, where he comes in, dominates, wins the ball, falls up on the rebound. That, as well, is invaluable to us, I think, is just having that additional threat that we carry from set pieces. I feel we've probably, I can't even about to say this, I feel we've probably not really carried that sort of threat at set plays since Ash Taylor left because Ash was always good for at least getting up in the opposition box. Or the Kaiser. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't going to bring him up because he had an absolute shock yes, of a day I know. today. It wasn't uh, one to remember. Well, actually, I'm not even thinking that far ahead. I'm more just thinking a physical presence to clear balls that come into our box. I'd be quite content. <laughs> if he wants to venture up and start chipping in some goals, brilliant, but... yeah. Maybe maybe keep a few out first. So yeah, it's all encouraging. I guess as well. I was just thinking. You guys were saying there it can't be easy coming to a team that's like struggling, etc. But I, I wonder as well if you're a especially a defender coming in when it's been as bad as it has been. You maybe look at it and go, I've got a really good opportunity to come here in here and make a bit of a difference because if I'm semi competent, I'll look like God compared to what's been going on beforehand. Like well, not Willie Miller, obviously, but you know, <laughs> no, th- there's maybe a bit of I don't really know if they f- if they feel that way, but I know what you mean. Like the free hit sort yeah. of mentality it's like it's, we're at rock bottom your captain's been loaned out because it's not going well so realistically what what can you do that has been worse, worse than the defensive unit to date probably not 
not much. So yeah, maybe that does actually give you a different mentality and possibly I don't know, maybe just that sort of youthful naivety. I guess for McDonald's, well, he's he's playing for a contract, possibly. Uh, well, McDonald is true. Yeah, know, that's true. Um, Pollock needs games, and you never know as well. Pollock's got like a five-year deal at Watford, hasn't he? And he's presumably not anywhere near getting into their first team right now, especially given, you know, they've signed Porteous, for example, from Hibs, who I saw scored actually in his debut yesterday. Ah, um, which net? In the right net. Wow, that's disappointing. Which is interesting. You know, he might even be looking at, I might be here, I could be here for 18 months, possibly if I do well, I might, you know, come in, settle in, have another 12 months, I'll still have four years left on my deal or whatever it'll be at Watford going back. So certainly encouraging signs, I think, from both of them. It's going to be interesting to see what happens next time out, obviously when we play Celtic at Celtic Park, because we will be without Liam Scales on account of the the Adam Montgomery rule and um, Ross McCrory will still be suspended. So it could be a slightly different... Game for them, one would imagine, at Parkhead. Let's move on to Jay Gorter in goals. The Dutchman becoming our third Dutch goalkeeper in history, um, making his debut. What did you make of Jay Gorter yesterday? Had very little to do, in fairness. Um, I have absolutely no idea if he's any good or not. <laughs> and you know what? If it takes a while for me to find that out, I'll be happy. It's just what I was going to say. If at the end of the, the season and he goes back and we're still wondering... That's probably a good a good outcome. Was he any good? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, didn't have anything to do. Fine, brilliant. <laughs> what more could you ask from your keeper? Um, on the basis of one penalty, I can say that he's terrible at saving penalties. Not good. Not a good um, attempt at saving. Went, went the wrong way. So that's uh, that's not a good start on that one. But you know, genuinely, he didn't have a save to make beyond the penalty. No, nope. didn't have a real cross to deal with. Um, Stayed on his line a little bit too much. There was a through ball over the top in the first half. Yeah, there was one that moment that I think Shinny was looking for him to come and claim it. And he was just, yeah. you know, glued. It must be a Dutch thing. Just the line is the domain and anything else is just out of bounds. I think that resulted in like Shinny giving him the kind of the WTF face. But um, seems like a character at the very least. Seems like someone who would be quite good to have in the dressing room. Not to go all Jimmy Calderwood-esque. Yeah, his kicking looked okay. Um, nice bit of shithousery in the second half question marks over his fitness because I'm pretty sure that he gave himself cramp celebrating one of the goals yeah was well up for the goals though he was getting properly involved nice to see I, I didn't expect to see the goalkeeper making an airplane celebration after the second goal but no no proper shithousery like I say at one point in the second half we were 3-0 up and the ball was rolled back into him and he just started kind of dragging the ball repeatedly over himself like just toying a motherwell player to come in and like do something to him he also did the classic Ball cross came in, then took about four running steps and then just crumpled on a heap on top of the ball just to waste a bit of time. Lovely stuff. Not really ever had a goal that does stuff like that, so no. I'm on board. I'm on board of that until he ships one <laughs> as a result of this, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, if he does like the drag back thing at Celtic Park and we <laughs> that's one down after two minutes, then yeah, I'll maybe I'll maybe uh, reserve the right to revise my opinion. But the rolling on the ball and time wasting at Celtic Park, that, that bit's absolutely fine. In fact, actively encouraged. But yeah, try, try to be clever and then uh, getting tackled, not so much. Maybe just spend the next two weeks just doing that, just practicing time-wasting techniques. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Ilba Ramadani, a little bit iffy first half. Kind of, again, very similar, I think, to a lot of players. You could just see maybe lacking that little bit of confidence, trying to take maybe one touch too many, getting caught a little bit in terms of possession in the middle of the park. But then after the break... Look like different. Look like a different player all of a sudden. Superb second half performance from Elba Ramadani. I thought Gavin looks like he's just physically throwing up. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? 
as you've been talking up Ramadani, and now he's giving me some sort of gangster sign. Yeah, I know. I think he wants you to talk. <laughs> yeah, um, a much improved, like say, second, second half, you know, from everybody, but him included. That he was back to, I feel like the first that sort of early phase of the season where I felt he was dominating his midfield role because he was he was either dropping back and filling in for people who'd maybe pushed on or he was making interceptions, not, not necessarily flying at tackles, but intercepting passes, just breaking up play without necessarily, you know, kicking people up in the air so he's going to get himself sent off. So it was good. I mean, the, the way he dispossessed the boy was excellent. The appetite to then just keep on. Uh, I mean, great from Mielski to stay on side and make the run and all the rest of it, but really good from Rabadani to, to get to position. And then... So almost like having got the ball off the guy to them, you know, not panic, see Ramad, uh, see Miofsky and shell it or something, just to drive on with it, realise it's got acres of space and then to play the ball, uh, really, really good. So I know you and Gav have slightly different points of view on him, I'm maybe somewhere in the middle, but that that was a really good performance and I'm convinced there's more to come from him. If you get performances like that more often than not uh, and you know what you're going to get from Shinny, that's a pretty tidy midfield pairing um do you want me to surmise his first half appearance in english or in french whichever you wish gav okay well the first half that was merd (laughs) (laughs) um that was that was the ramadani that i hate to watch which is mainly speaking takes way too much time on the ball and gets dispossessed and doesn't win his tackles and gets involved a little bit too much in the kind of willow flood trait of just chasing the ball and finding himself miles out of position second half you know Maybe maybe we've been playing Ramadan in the wrong position this whole time. Maybe the screen is not the best place for him because I'm not convinced he's actually that great in his defensive work. But he's got a lot of energy and, you know, has a lot of... Um, you know, I think he's good, technically a good player on the ball and can make things happen. And, you know, I could say it critically that with him and Shinny gives Clarkson the space to operate deeper and make things happen. Great work for the second goal. Um, as Graham says, winning the ball and then... Finding the pass, just the right, the right pass takes O'Donnell out of the game, and also I'm not sure what O'Donnell was doing. To be fair, yeah, I'm trying the yeah. old back heel tackle. Yeah, I just want to say it came off again. It go uh, on five on Thursday night. Yeah, well, O'Donnell obviously wasn't oh, watching. One, you. one of our team won a tackle on Thursday night. Yeah, I know the rest of you lot were useless, but I must have missed that one. Um, so yeah, and then from there, on, I thought he looked um, a significantly better player, um, like the player we saw when he first arrived. So a bit more of that, a little less of this of the first half, and what we've seen the last month or two, and we'll have no problem here. Gavin just feels physically sick after that little segment there. I think it's fair to say. Look at him; he's looking a bit greener in the. So well, when there's a slightly odd edit, it's because Gavin had to praise Ramadan, but he'll probably <laughs> cut that out. We'll end up in the chopping room floor. And our front two yesterday: uh, Boyamiowski and. Duke, I think both had pretty decent games on the whole. The one thing I would say, um, Duke's just doing what Duke does again. Really, he's got a really good habit of arriving in the box at just the right time, doesn't he? Which you see there at the the first goal. Because he's obviously, you know, he's not the biggest, he's not the tallest of players, but he does have a knack of arriving at yeah. right time just to, to to get in there for those types of crosses, which is great to see. Crucial first goal. And Miofsky, yes, I was I was really pleased for Miofsky getting a couple of goals from open play yesterday. I thought on Wednesday night against Mirren and then again against uh, Motherwell yesterday, I thought he put in a great shift. I, th- I think he's always been trying. I think it's fair to say throughout his, his, his time here, I think sometimes his 
his running style, etc., perhaps doesn't look that way. Um, and I think in certain games he's been left in a bit of a hiding to nothing. But you could see him. I think you saw it on Wednesday night, and again I saw it yesterday. His running in terms of his just like this is going to sound really weird, but I can't think of another way to describe it. Like the hardness of his running, he was really putting in the hard yards yesterday, trying to trying to close down centre halves when they were in possession, trying his best to win headers, which is not really his game, but was. I think a bit more physical about it than what we've seen previously in the season where it's sometimes maybe it was more of a token effort from him to go up for a header. I think he's actually really physically getting in there. I'm going to put that down to him being kind of really pushed by Robson to maybe be a bit more physical up the top. Um, I, I don't know if that is the case, but it seems in the two games Robson's come in, he has been doing that more. So correlation, not causation and all that, but it seems that way. In the post-match, Robson did say that he's been trying to push him to be more aggressive okay. with his running, so it does seem like well, something... I mean, you, th- you think the type of player Robson was, Yeah, you, you would imagine that that is what he would want from anyone on the pitch, so he'll be picking up bookings left, right and centre <laughs> before we know it. There'll be a basic level of requirement under Robson, which would be running and being physical, I imagine. It's a strange one in a way. I mean, it's not surprising in a sense that what Robson was and what you'd suspect his teams would be, but we're looking in these two games already. We look more like the team I suspect we've under Jim Goodwin. Which is very true. I think we look harder working. I think we look harder pressing in the main when we're out of possession. Yep. And I think we look a little bit more physical. Um, that's definitely true. I think that's as much as anything down to the personnel we've brought in. It very well could and, be. But, yeah. but, but then, but Shinny was here under Goodwin, you know? <clears throat> I think we're definitely seeing a little bit of that from Barry Robson being put into the team. And, but the good thing, the thing I really like about Miofsky and the thing I really rate about him is his movement. I think his movement is exceptional. And this is what gets him goals. And that's what gets him his two goals yesterday. Ramadani does a brilliant bit of work for the first goal, but Miofsky's movement off the ball, I'd encourage any striker to go back and watch it, just to watch the way he just peels off, peels off a little bit, finds that gap, makes sure he doesn't put himself offside because it would have been very easy to do that because Ramadani, I thought, maybe had just held on to the ball just a touch too long. And then the way he draws the keeper and thinks it brilliant. And then... As much as the third goal is all about Clarkson's pass, and the goal doesn't happen without Clarkson's pass, and it is an outrageous pass. Again, watch the replay, which comes from, it'll be from the, the TV gantry above the Motherwell support, I think it is. Watch the build-up. Miofsky's telling him to put it into that place, to put it into that zone. Now, you need a player of the capability of Clarkson to do that. But even just the imagination from Miofsky to say, that's where to put it, that's where to put it, it makes a really good bent run. Because I think most people... At the time of the game, I was expecting this will be a VAR check and this will be offside. Like he was left so far alone, there's no way that this can't have not been offside. And when you watch it back again, like there's I think two middle players playing him on at the time. Huge, huge couple of goals, I think, for Bohemioski, just to get him back up and running again in terms of goals from open play in the league. And it puts him on 14 goals in the league. So he's five off Kyogo, I think, right now. But you know, stranger things have happened, so maybe that uh Scottish Premiership Golden Boot might not be completely out of reach. Um, thought it was excellent. It's an all-round game. And yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm just I'm happy that he has got those two goals from open play because his goal-scoring chart has definitely been padded out by penalties. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's part of that's part of being a striker. And if penalties were easy to score, then, you know, Andy Cole would be the top scorer in England uh, of all time in the Premier League. That's not how it works. I think when it comes to Duke, you know, lately he's not been feeling quite so... Um, Dookie. And even in the beginning there, like he's, he's trying things like that he was that were coming off at the beginning of the season and it's just not working. And then, you know, we get that the moment, like you say, he just finds that little pocket of space 
between the defenders and the ideal space gets their header into the open goal. And from there on, it looked a lot more like the, the Duke that we've come to know and, and love. Um, just that unpredictability, that just that constant testing of the defenders and, and getting his joy out of it. Um, that's him on, I think, 12 goals in all competitions now this season, 10 goals in the league. Um, you know, obvious thing to state, but if Duke's back to what he's capable of, then we'll be a much more dangerous team than we than we are otherwise. Yeah, definitely. Pleased for them. Yeah, pleased for them both. We need everyone playing well, obviously, to get the results, but given that laterally well, we dried up in terms of the goals, uh, they've, you know, scored, uh, not conceded. But if we can start to tighten up both ends, um, stop shipping them and get like to Duke and Wielski scoring from open play, or if, or if they're not scoring, contributing and putting in a shift the way they did just helps. Because, you know, it's easy to pick on the defence when you're shipping goals, but to a degree, it starts from the, the top. So if Wielski or Duke's not bothering, then, you know, it's a, the guys are straight into midfield or attacking your wingers without anyone uh, giving them any support. So it does kind of need everyone to work together as a unit. So if they're putting in more of a shift up top, that helps. But you do want to see them get their goals as well. And you also want, you, everyone's come under, everyone's been taking stick from the fans, the public. So you kind of want them to be getting a couple of goals, takes the heat out, maybe they start to enjoy football and being at Aberdeen again and that just settles them down for the season because you know they may or may not be here you know there was all the chat earlier about Miofsky you know the fact is he has a contract so you want him playing well and you want him happy and you want him confident so that if he is still here great you've got him in good spirits you've you've not sort of got him open around because he's getting abused every week but he's stuck here because no one will pay the fee so it's, yeah it's all good and the finish is okay Miofsky's second you're right, it's all about the movement in the past, but uh, his first goal, the finish is just so satisfying, especially when, you know, it's probably a guy who's not having the best run of form. I know he scored a decent goal against uh, them in the, the cup semi, but the last couple of months, probably everyone's been suffering a bit. So to be able to just do stuff like that is just, that's just ability, you know, natural ability. Yeah. He's, he's never going to, you just hope you can see that more often now because we were all really enjoying him and He's not become a bad player. It's just results haven't been going our way. So let's hope we can see more of that over the coming weeks. Maybe not. Maybe not in Celtic. That might be asking for too much, but you're hoping. As a connoisseur, as a football manager as well, it's always just satisfying. You want the goals to be shared amongst the team, but it's always satisfying when your marquee strikers pitching in with a couple of goals. Um, yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Let's quickly talk about Barry Robson then, shall we? A little bit because that's him. We just touched on earlier on. He's completed the set now as far as results go uh, as an interim manager. That's his first win um, as a first team. Gaffer goes with the loss against I mean, in midweek and then the draw that we had against St. Johnston last season. It's hard to take too much of the game on Wednesday night, I think, because of just the way that that game panned out. But are you seeing a marked difference in approach by the players here under Barry Robson? They look bothered, so that's a start. But then... You would be if your gaffer and a few players have just been binned out. Surely, if that doesn't make you sort of wake up and realise that, oh, maybe that could be you. I don't know what would. So, I, I don't know. It's too early to say. I can't decide. I obviously want the team to be winning every week, but there's a bit of me that I, I quite like. Robson seems to be slowly building some good experience and what he's been doing at the the younger levels. I almost kind of don't want it to go. St- 
well enough that he gets it and then it turns to rat shit and he's booted out of the club. You know, you kind of want him to get the exposure and the experience here, but then use that to continue the good work that he has been doing with a view to you probably would want him involved a bit more in the the first team sort of day-to-day, whether you know, it's something like day-to-day runnings or in the match day like he used to be, I think, under yeah. um getting that because I'm sure he was involved in part of the when he would be there on a Saturday. So I'm not anyone who's saying give him the job now, I think that's just crazy. And uh, this is where we got into the problem of Goodwin, where we waited a week and picked someone. So there's nothing I've seen that says now's the time to give him the gig. But if he can keep sticking along, maybe that would change my opinion. It's definitely a different feel about the team. Um I think if we have play that game with Motherwell and it goes the way it does, then heads drop very, very quickly. And, you know, before you know it, we suffer a, a terrible goal and the atmosphere completely changes. He does it does feel like he's done a lot to just get the crowd back on side as much as anything as well. And you know, I'm I'm liking what I'm saying. I'm liking like I said on um episode eighty eight, I like that him and Steve Agney were kicking every ball with the team and constantly dishing out instructions and being quite animated after Goodwin and Glass. That's a real that's a really nice change of pace for me. And it seems that the players are reacting to it, you know. How refreshing is it to have your marquee striker not throwing in the towel minutes after his mate gets gets chucked? Um Yeah, it's a fair point. I think, yeah, yeah, I I think like like you guys probably we're not sold completely, but I'm well up for giving this an extended period of time and giving him actually a, a really good audition to see maybe this is the guy that could lead us forward. I guess this is where it's going to become tricky, though, isn't it? Because I, I'm in the same place. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I, Mother were brutal yesterday. They were really bad. So a decent win against a very very bad Motherwell team does not make Barry Robson the choice right now. Um, for what's worth, I still think, regardless, I still don't think it's the right time for Barry Robson. Um, I think what's more important about the result yesterday and hopefully what we do get to see, I mean, Barry said himself, he feels he's obviously a better coach on the training field than just being a, a game manager. So we now have, you know, the best part of two weeks for him to now get some work on the grass with the players at Cormac Park. He's not really had a chance to do that since he took charge, obviously, um, or certainly not long enough to really implement any kind of new ideas or anything. There's that concern you always have, though, isn't it, when you get... How often do you see it? It's, it's a kind of tale as old as time, isn't it? The interim manager comes in, maybe somebody from within the club already, gets a bit of a bounce, everyone goes, ah, well, look, we, we should just give him the job. Look, the players love him, He's he's got a reaction, blah, blah, blah. And then vet, how often does that actually ever work? More often than not, that situation often ends in everything diving off a cliff pretty quickly. I mean, just look at Muddle with Stevie Hamill. I mean, you know, he he had, what, three games, I think, four games in charges interim. They did okay in those, gets the job full-time, and it's been horrendous since. You look at somebody like, I don't know, Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth, for example, same sort of scenario. You see it a lot of the time, and the one positive I take out of if hopefully Barry can come in and can steady us and kind of keep us on on an upward trajectory as opposed to looking over our shoulder is it gives the club time to actually think about what they're doing and find the right manager for us going forward rather than it being a panic. And also maybe buys his times a little sort out like more fundamentally the positions above the manager's office as well. I agree with that entirely and that's why I want him to do well because I want the team to win. But I think the the real reason I want that is just a period of stability, hopefully a bit of a better atmosphere. You know, we're looking 
safe in the table, up the table, rather than looking over our shoulders because you know, we've been here so many times. But my opinion is that they don't know what they're doing or what they want at the top because if they did, they'd have someone. You know, yeah. you'd be you'd be getting rid of your manager because you've got the guy you want lined up to come in. You wouldn't be in this period of dragging dragging it on, putting out a stupid statement, hanging your manager out to dry, then binning him, which you knew was going to happen anyway, so why wait? And now being, oh, right, what do we do about it now? So that's probably the main reason that I'd like him to keep ticking along. I don't think he's the answer. You know, rookie manager with glass, that didn't work out. People you probably wouldn't say Goodwin was a rookie manager, but does he have the experience that I think anyone would want the Aberdeen manager to have? No, I don't think so. So Robson ticks all those boxes, in my opinion, in terms of the lack of experience. So you want him to do well, but the club needs to be sorted out in other departments first. So that I hope we can just tick along, get that sorted, and then hopefully at the third time of asking, we've got the right people making the right decisions when we do name a manager. And this time next year, we're not looking at another captain being binned in January and another managerial change. We might be looking at, this is quite an exciting season. We're right in the hunt for third, for example. I, th- I think we're in steady hands with Barry Robson and Steve Agnew. And I think bringing Agnew in has been a key thing here. I think that's been a big move by the club to do that. Yeah, it makes you wonder if even they've pinpointed a role for Steve Agnew in the club going forward, regardless of who the coach or head or manager yeah, is. Um, um, it's, it plays part of the relief of the victory because I think if we don't win that game there's potential that the board then do panic and we then go for headable option A because you know you've got United picking up a result here and there Kilmarnock picking up a result here and there um, this does buy us time I think famous last words I think we're probably safe now I would dare I would hazard just based on what I saw there with Motherwell and you know and we talked about Thor Gavin on the way up the road mm-hmm. after the game as well yesterday. That when you look at it in reality, you've got United, Motherwell, Ross County, Kilmarnock. There's three points separate those those four teams. Kilmarnock are nine points away from us. There's yeah. 13 games of the season left to go. Yeah, and Kilmarnock's, Kilmarnock's away record is truly horrendous. It's like four yeah. points from 39 or something like that. It's so. nearly as bad as ours. Um, for, us to, for us to finish bottom of the table, you need all four of those teams to go on a run that takes us over that takes us over you know and we're 12 points ahead of some of those teams 11 points ahead of those teams the, the form the, the, the trajectory of the season wouldn't pay, paint that out to be likely for us to finish in the relegation playoff place we need three of those teams to go on that sort of run I just I don't see it happening I don't and more fundamentally we're only three points away from fourth spot which will be European football next season yeah it's about time we start looking upwards rather than over our shoulders uh, when you're an Aberdeen fan you always have yeah, money over your shoulder I know every every time um, you can roll me up brother what what I would say though is uh, nice what I would say like just to take a contrasting view to the idea of the interim manager is like to my understanding for the last two years Byrops has been kept very much separate from the first team Yeah. so he doesn't have the kind of same sort of stitch it's not the same people with the same ideas no. coming in you just hope for a different um, outcome he is coming um, with a fresh look on things. And, you know, I, I think he carries himself very well as a manager. I think he's going to have a future in the game. And like I said, I just think that he's... I don't think we should be ruling him out. That's what I would say. All I will say is, you know, you're saying he's been kept separate, so he's got different ideas. To go back to my my bugbear, the strategy in theory, he shouldn't have different ideas because the 
<laughs> the strategy of the club should permeate and he should be doing what your first team manager should be doing. So that's my 50 cents. Well, if we know anything from Barry Robson's football career, it's like you know, football mastery. That was one thing he had going for him. And he, you he always heard Barry. Yeah. You always heard him. As he rattled through the opposition. When it came to a two-footer, that man was never getting beaten in a one-on-one one v one. Absolutely true. Let's just quickly talk about Motherwell. Fucking hell. They were bad, weren't they? They if were really I, bad. If I were a Steeler, Steelman, I don't know what their fans are called. If I was in that in that crash slash ultra area they have, I'd be studying pretty hard on the quickest routes to get to places like Starks Park and Capelo. They're not very good at all. And I've watched some very bad teams this year, mainly yeah. playing in red. Yeah, yeah. I mean, up until Saturday, Tom Marnock were the worst team I'd seen at Pathology this season. And I, and I include the lower league teams we played in the League Cup in this. Mudwell took that title by quite some distance on Saturday. They were honking. I believe I predicted them to be relegated. I think I predicted them to be relegated via the playoffs. I'm going to be right one way or the other. You think so? Because they've made a lot of changes, um, but it's kind of the same fundamental issue that we've had the last couple of years. They've kept the manager in place and it just looks like he can't yeah. turn the fortunes around. And I don't know if Mother will have the ability to attract someone that could then come in in such a quick space of time and turn it around. So Mark McGee's available. Third time. Third time coming. <laughs> They're also, you know, a little bit settled in the upper echelons of the club as well with Burroughs. Although Burroughs is leaving, of course. Burrowing, is leaving, you know, so the, yeah. you know, as we're seeing, or I think we are seeing the effects of the the footballing operation not going the way it should. You know, they've also got that to contend yeah. with as well because he's been there for a period of time, worked his way up, and you know seems to be held in reasonable regard. So it's probably yeah, it's not a good time for them. Not just looking at the the managerial position, um, and yeah. I guess it's always difficult if you go down, but I can't imagine they have the greatest resources anyway. So they're not going to, not going to be able to spend their way out of the league. For example, no. if there was the drop down, we've moved like to Ross County. I think you're backed quite well by the chairman in relative terms yeah, yeah. to the competition. So it'd be quite tricky if Motherwell were to, were to drop down. I don't assume they have major injury problems, but if you're playing Paul McGinn and Stephen O'Donnell at centre back, that's not going to work out too well for you. No, no, definitely not. Um, Maybe we could get Kevin Van Veen on the cheap. I'll, I'll tell you what, I don't mind Motherwell actually as a as a football club by any stretch of imagination. I think they do a load of good work in their community and everything as well. They're brilliant and all that. But I'm not going to lie, I won't shed a tear if Kevin Van Veen gets relegated. That would be just Kevin Van Veen, just him, just him. <laughs> um, looking at quickly top Don, then the the solar system vote. Wow, as close as it has ever been. The four choices we put up, and to be fair, there's a few boys who missed out on this one who probably could have been in it. I think Leighton Clarkson is probably one of them who could have been in there. But um, the four we did put up, put up Duke, Miofsky, Pollock, and Ramadani. And wow, look at this, Duke, 18.5% in the vote, Pollock, 22.2%. And then, in effect, a tie between Boya Miofsky oh, 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 oh. and Elber Ramadani on 30% each. But when you actually narrow into the votes, Miofsky had 29.6%, Elber Ramadani 29.7%. So the solar system's top down was one of the chaps. It was Elber Ramadani. But Gav, Graham, as always, we'll come to you boys for who you thought your top down yesterday was. I am um, speculating that you might have massaged 
these decimal points to come up with the <laughs> rankings that you've come up with. But uh, that being said, I was probably, Miofsky probably, I was quite pleased to see him doing what I think we all know he can do. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly for the second game in a row, it's Boyan Miofsky for me. Well, this will come as no surprise to anybody. But um, You've deleted the poll and nobody can prove no, me no, correct. No, I'll find the poll. Does this, do you hang on? Wait a minute. Why do you keep voting yes for Ramadan? <laughs> How many burner accounts do you have? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. It's not showing it now. Oh, really? It's not showing it? It did have it earlier. I love how you also tagged him in your uh, post praising his work. Uh, just he's w- not going to shag you. Now. He might. He's going to get you a restraining order. Is speaking, what he's going to get you. Speaking of weight acts, which actually, um, a word to the wise for Boya Miofsky's partner. Um, if she can stop posting clips of Boya and celebrating with a particular Tina Turner song underneath it, that would be good. Oh, yeah. Somebody needs to take her to the side and explain that one of the campus songs in the world has been co-opted by the Sevco support. Can you imagine trying to explain that to somebody who's not from Scotland? <laughs> We're not a petty nation, but but if but, you play that song... But just everything about it, like the song itself is pretty camp, right? And then have to be like, right, so that song has been co-opted by this lot for some bizarre reason, so you can't really use it, okay? Just imagine for a minute trying to explain that to somebody who's not from Scotland. It's like trying to explain to Ramirez you can't watch them play in Europe in a relatively entertaining game if you're in neutral. Post something to that effect because you will have to shut down your account and or delete the offending tweet, which you found out probably (laughs) about 30 seconds after putting that out there. It's like explaining to Jet that part of being a footballer is cardio. So, (laughs) yeah, I uh, I don't know how we get in touch with her, but if there's any sort of... officials (laughs) officials <laughs> at the club listening just save her some grief yeah Stephen Gunn can go make himself useful he can go and have that chat there's a wide selection from Jeff's music corner that you can delve into <laughs> anything from there anything from there I mean she, she could literally pick any other song out of Tina Turner's back catalogue wouldn't be a problem anyway um, is that enough shall we move on yes yes uh, much much needed three points Barry Robson's army army I heard I heard that. <laughs> Barry Robson's got his plane again. Dons are back. <laughs> set sail. HMS Pistol League. Set sail. <laughs> On to Lone Watch. Conor McLennan. 84 minutes for the Perth Saints as they went down to a 4-1 defeat to Celtic in the Premiership. An afternoon to forget for Exton Andy Constant, I think it's fair to say here. An own goal at fault in the run-up to the second goal. And a red card in his 600th league appearance of his career. Loves playing Celtic, doesn't he? Yeah, as soon as I heard I'd been, it was a second booking, wasn't it, for uh, pulling? I, don't know. I thought it was a straight red, maybe. <laughs> no, maybe I think it was. it was a straight red. Okay, m- must have been like um, denying a goal scoring opportunity because it was pulling a shirt, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, yeah so he'd, he'd literally he'd literally bear-hugged him to the deck. Yeah, well, as soon as I heard I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. I've seen that story before. Oh, Andy. Yeah, not his, not his finest. I was going to say hour, 80-odd minutes. <laughs> Uh, Gwenya off the bench for the final five minutes as Wraith Rovers sought out a 2-1 win at Gayfield over our both in the championship Wraith they had a horrendous start to the season didn't they but now closing in on Park Thistle for that final playoff place in the championship Jack Milne started played the full 90 and got the local sponsors man of the match played at centre half in this one as Kelty lost two goals to one 
to Falkirk in League One. Uh, Aaron Reed and Evan Tiller, Elgin City. Tiller started, played the full 90 minutes whilst Aaron Reed came off the bench for the final 30 minutes as Elgin drew one apiece with Albion Rovers in League Two. A new input to Lone Watch this week, Anthony Stewart at Milton Keynes Dons. Curiously, not in squad. MK Dons claiming that this was because of a suspension from the Scottish League Cup, which makes no sense because he had missed the game against Hearts, Hearts as a result of his red card. So I don't understand what that was all about. Maybe Milton Keynes had one look in training and went, nope. Anyway, Milton Keynes won that one two goals to nil at Bristol. Wouldn't blame them. Wouldn't blame them, no, absolutely not. Dean Campbell didn't feature at all in the matchday squad in their nil-nil draw with Rob Milsom's Sutton United in League Two down south. And then another input to Lone Watch this week, Vicente Bajewin came off the bench at halftime as Excelsior Rotterdam drew nil-nil with RKC in the Eredivisie. Yeah, but of course you weren't with us on the last episode. Do you want to give us your thoughts on the departures of Tony Stewart and Vicente Bajewin from these here shores? So for Stewart, I mean, a lot of the abuse these guys get is, you know, it's not really cool, is it? So setting that aside, you know, people go over the, over the top when they're behind their keyboards. It wasn't really working out for them. Or their I, microphones. Or their microphones. I, I think it'd be interesting to see what might have happened. I was going to say Robson was the one that said he wasn't going to play, so he's obviously seen enough of him watching from the sidelines. I didn't think he was the worst defender. It was just, we had this set up or insistence that we we can suddenly play football from the back with guys that can't do it. So he was uh, just the wrong player for the, the job he was been asked to do. So it's probably better that he does the head back. Plus also, I don't know how settled he was in Aberdeen. Uh, so there might be other things going on off the pitch that means he wasn't maybe playing to the best of his ability. So if it works out for him on loan and he gets a deal down there, that might just be the, the best way to wrap this up. Um for all parties, to be honest. And then for Bajewin, I'm a little bit, dis- I'm quite disappointed and or worried about that one because I was quite happy with him at the start. I thought there was a player there. More importantly, much vaunted signing, decent amount of money, I understand. And it's not a great look if your first marquee signing, if you want to call him that, because we spent a fair bit of money, you know, pre Miofsky and all that. If that just sort of fritters away, into nothing that's not a great look for everyone so that one I'm a little bit disappointed with I thought Bajewin would have contributed to the team so whether I again is a relatively young man settling in a different country there might have been things going on off field that you don't know about and it's not really my business so maybe for that reason he's keen to go or maybe falling out with the manager the deal's already you know to the point where you can't back out before he gets binned and Robson comes in so maybe it was too far down the line and they had to honour it, or he felt he had to honour it. Who, who knows? But I'm disappointed to see him go. And that was worded as a loan with an option to buy, wasn't it? Yes. Which yep. I am choosing to read into that, that he won't be back. I hope I'm wrong. But my first take on that was that that you, you wouldn't publish that, would you? Unless you thought he was gone. Well, that's my take anyway. Well, there we go. Lovely stuff. Um, I, I suspect we won't see either of these two back at Aberdeen again going forward. On to the young team, uh, with Barry Robson and Scott Anderson in charge of the first team, it failed to Stuart Duff to take charge of the under-18s alongside, <laughs> alongside Robbie Hederman for the visit of Hearts to Cormac Park on Friday afternoon. 
Young Don's task made that much harder after the sending off of Dylan Lobbin for descent on 76 minutes. I'd love to know what these kids are saying to refs because that's about the third red card, straight red card I think our young team have had this season for descent. So someone needs to get in there with a bar of soap and wash their mouths out. <laughs> that is disgusting behaviour. Unless, of course, he tells us what he said. <laughs> Whatever, I don't, I don't know the names of our physios, but the physio on yes. Saturday that was having a pop at Clancy. Give that man a pay rise. Yeah, that was brilliant. I was well up for that. Can you book a physio? Is that are they are they mm-hmm. deemed to be part of the kind of? If any club would have tried to find out last year, it would have been us, given the sheer number of our coaching <laughs> staff that were sent sent off or yellow carded. So we kept on rotating whose time it was yeah. to pop at the ref. Yeah. That was good. I enjoyed that yesterday. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, no, no draw for the young team though. Marston to, to to see that one through against Hearts. Next up is a trip to Hamilton on Thursday evening as the Dons look to avenge their defeat to Hamilton Aki's in the Scottish Youth Cup from a couple of weeks ago. And on the women's team, another trip to Glasgow this week, the second in the space of four days for the Quines. This time to face Celtic at Airdrie's Excelsior Stadium. The Dons welcome and welcoming Annalisa McCann back into the starting lineup after an injury. In the warm-up on Wednesday evening meant that striker Chloe Gover had to step into the breach and play the full 19 goals. The Dons, once again, though only able to field four players on the bench with no sub-keeper. A milestone as well on this one for captain Lauren Campbell as she made her 100th appearance for the club against a Celtic side sitting second in the table with only one defeat to the name this season. And a pretty gutsy performance from the Quines as they nearly made it to half-time without conceding Celtic finally breaching the Dons' defence with a goal through Craig with what was the last kick of the half. Chloe Gover withdrawn in that opening 45 minutes as well for Bailey Hutchinson. Halftime switch, seeing Madsen Finney replace Hannah Stewart, but unfortunately, despite their best efforts, goals from O'Riordan on 56 minutes and Ross on 70. Sealed the points for the home side. Next up, United visit the Balmour on Wednesday evening before a third trip in two weeks to Glasgow next Sunday to face Glasgow City in the Scottish Cup. And I think, because we've got a week off next week, boys, is that enough for tonight? It's been a busy old January slash beginning of February, so I'm looking forward to this rest. It really has been, hasn't it? It's been pretty hectic. A lot more stressful than it should have been as well. Back and tell me about it. Anyway, what do us? I don't see why not. I think that should do us tonight. So that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ football podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like subscribe and follow or whatever you do on your podcast player of choice join us next week for episode 90 90 boys jesus christ where we'll preview our return to the action with our trip to celtic park and we'll bring you an exclusive interview i think possible let's say a world exclusive it might not be but fuck it we'll do it anyway with the very first argentinian to play for aberdeen it is the one and only juan cobian look forward to seeing you then Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's. £4 pint of Moretti or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week including match days Siberia is open 7 days a week all year round and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days come on you Reds